What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Nerdwide Podcast. This is episode 105, going to be a shorter one because we have got the Oscars here in 44 minutes. So we're going to do a quick recap of The Last of Us Episode 8 and talk about Babylon, which is our movie of the week, which is also for an Oscar and go from there. Quick housekeeping. I'm your host, Tyler Haynes, with my good friend and co-host right over here is Chris Rivers. Uh, Chris, I'm going to ask how you're doing here in a minute, but I want to let everybody know we have a new playlist on our YouTube channel. It is obviously not going to be on podcasting service services because we are reacting to trailers and things like that, and it's more of a visual thing. You can't really just listen. I mean, you could listen to it, but... Kind of weird. Anyways, it's called Nerd Wide Reacts, and our first one is up of Superman and Lois Season 3 on our YouTube channel. So make sure you go in there and check that out. We are going to mess with overlays going in the future of how we want to do things, of course, of that as well. So make sure you leave us a comment down below. Let us know if you're excited for Superman and Lois, which comes out this week. And I'm stoked. Like, I don't know if I'm really excited right now because of Superman and Lois coming out this week, Ted Lasso Season 3 coming out this week, or the Oscars here in a little bit, or just a combination of all. Or is it because we're going to go see Shazam 2 this weekend coming up? I mean, there's a whole lot going on here. Um, Quick housekeeping before we jump into everything. Don't forget to subscribe to either our YouTube or podcasting service of your choice. If you enjoy the show, make sure you leave us a thumbs up on YouTube or give us a good rating for whatever podcasting service you use. Of course, the likes and then the good ratings give us a little bit more engagement and it puts our podcast out in the world more. Of course, if you recommend our podcast on social media and things like that of course that works as well uh if you don't enjoy what you see or hear make sure you leave us a comment let us know how we can improve the show we can't improve if you don't tell us what's wrong uh if you want to do more you can always go to patreon.com slash nerdwide three different tiers for three different monetary values for a monthly subscription price uh, of course there are a bunch of different cool little goodies there the first one is you get our episode early before everybody else does uh i think the third one is even I think that's the one that you know recommends something to us. Let us review something that you want us to read, watch, talk about, anything like that. Um, we will do it if you subscribe to us there. And then I think that is it for housekeeping. Make sure you stick close to our socials. By the time this post, our live tweeting and live Facebooking, things like that for the Oscars will have already happened. But make sure you're over there, subscribe to us, on, or following us on Twitter, following us on Facebook, so you could get those in the future. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris, how was your week? Pretty good, pretty good. Went uh, went fairly smoothly. We had the time change last night. Yes, so really messing with me still. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. As you can see, Absolutely. it's light outside back behind me, which is not normal. Not normal. What's I hope I wish listen, it needs to be a normal legislation, it needs to pass all that stuff. I don't understand why we're the only country that does this nonsense. I've never understood it. Still don't understand it. Anyways. That, how was your week? It was it was busy. It was a busier week. Um waited for a lot of things. There's some stuff that I'll show show you in the future in person. Um can't really talk about it because it's not really that relevant, but there's some things home improvement wise that we oh. have done that um, not really showing on the interwebs until 100% is everything is done. But next time you come over, you'll have to see it because it's really exciting. Um, other than that, not really. I mean, Bork was been real busy. A lot of people sick, just no rhyme or reason sick, but that's just part of it. Uh, TV wise, before we jump into it, have you been watching anything crazy TV wise? Oh, nothing crazy. Listen, 
So Big Uh-oh. Bang Theory, we've talked about, been watching it um, on the season nine now, took a slowdown. That's because I started Vikings Valhalla. Season two came out earlier this year. I hadn't really jumped into it yet. So I watched all the first season and now I'm thinking like two or three episodes into the second one. But we started a show on Apple TV called Shrinking. It's made by the same people that made Ted Lasso and Scrubs with uh, Bill Lawrence. And that show is really good. I don't like. I don't know what he's doing, but he has struck gold with his Apple TV uh, shows. Like he's got Harrison Ford's one of the main characters in it. Jason Segel. It's just really good. Like it's. That's. I recommend that to everybody as well. If you like Ted Lasso, you'll love Shrinking. What's it about? Uh, it's about a shrink who a therapist who his best friend is a therapist as well, and they're a little. I guess they're group and they're partners. And then Harrison Ford is also in their group, but he's also the main character's therapist because his wife died in a car accident a year ago. And he's got a teenage daughter and it's got all of that. I guess the very first scene opens up to the main character in his pool with two girls and he's high. He's been doing pills and drinking stuff like that. So that's how it opens up. And like it's going go through with him getting therapy, him giving therapy, and also his home life. Because him and his daughter are not like ever since their mom died, the wife and mom died, they haven't been close, and it's it's really, really, really well done. So I recommend it to anybody. I, I like it. I love those uh, dramedies, if you will. But something else that was a banger of an episode, Chris, The Last of Us episode eight. Of course, full on spoilers. We are one episode away, which comes out tonight as well. Man, oh man, I can't wait. We're going once again to TVLine.com by Kimberly Roots. And let's talk about this phenomenal, phenomenal episode 8 of The Last of Us. In the snowy riverside town of Silver Lake, Colorado, a man reads from a Bible inside an old steakhouse. A banner behind him proclaims, when we are in need, he shall provide. Many of the people in the congregation are crying. We're watching a funeral scene. The dead man's daughter asks the pastor when they can bury her dad. He tells her the ground is too cold and they'll have to wait until the spring. What a coincidence that comes after the service, the pastor, whose name is David, and his right-hand man, James, discuss how the community only has enough food to last another week or so. I need you to know you're with me, David says, and James affirms that he is, but his voice and body language suggests otherwise. They grab rifles and head out to hunt. It's also noting here that the guy that plays James is the one and only Troy Baker, a.k.a. Joel from the video games. And man, did he not kill it this episode? And all of the interviews, of course, that have come out since, he was expected to be like a clicker, a clicker or an infected. He wasn't really going for a big role. And when he got the role, Neil Druckmann said, okay, we're going to have you play James. And he says, okay, so who's James? Because even in the, the game, he never really interacted with this guy. And again, another one-to-one scene we'll talk about when it comes up. But man, he, Troy Baker, just what a phenomenal guy. Listen, if you've played any video games, I guarantee you have heard his voice because he is in literally everything. Everything. Uh, let's see. Know who else is really hungry? That is Ellie, who dribbles some water into uh, mostly out of it Joel's mouth and eats some jerky like it's her last meal. She eyes his gun propped against the wall, leaves a little jerky on a blanket for him and whispers that she'll be right back. Using the tips Joel gave her, Ellie mentions to take down a deer. But David and James come across the game before she can get to it, so she yells at them and points her gun in their direction. After they drop their weapons at her demand, David asks for a few seconds of her time before he, they go. He explains that he's from a large group that needs food and offers a trader for part of the meat. 
She lies that she's also with a big group, then blusters through the negotiation for some infection-fighting medicine. David asks James to go back to get two bottles of penicillin and a syringe. Then Ellie and David sit, light a fire, and, fire, and wait for him to return. David suggests that she joins them. You're inviting me to a hunger club. No thanks, she scoffs. We learn that he's a preacher who is a math teacher before outbreak day. When the Pittsburgh quarantine zone fell in 2017, he left, and on the way to where they are now, he accumulated people he calls our flock. Very cultish vibes, by the way. A lot of cultish vibes. <laughs> uh, he's, he's been very friendly so far, so far, warm even, as he explains that the tough winter meant that he had to send four people to a nearby town to scavenge. Only three came back. The one that didn't was murdered by a crazy man, he says, still all affable-like. And get this, that crazy man was traveling with a little girl. You see, he adds, smiling in a very creepy manner, everything happens for a reason. And that's when we learn that James has his gun pointing right at Ellie behind her. That was very well done scene. Like, oh, God. What? I loved it. Um, when she wheels around with her rifle, David tells a confused James to lower his gun to throw the mess into her. He says, I can protect you, David promises. Uh, Ellie takes the antibiotics and run. James is stymied, unable to understand why David just let her get away. Back at the settlement where a totally not at all suspicious meat-based stew is being prepared, David confirms to the group that they ran to the killer of the dead man from the top of the episode. He says when the sun is up, they'll find Ellie and Joel's hideout and will bring that man to justice. The dead guy's daughter thinks Joel and Ellie should die too and say so, earning her a slap to the floor from David right in front of the mother. I know you think you don't have a father anymore, but the truth is, Hannah, you'll always have a father, and you'll show him respect when he's speaking. Come on. Like, I mean, very, come on. Very cult-like. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ellie returns and checks out Joel's wound, which is uh, mildly and nastily infected. She has no idea where to inject the medicine, which is uh, intramuscular, by the way. Never right into an abdomen. Just forewarning for people out there who might ever come into this issue. Uh, the gluteal fold, uh, your butt cheek, something like that will work just fine, guys. Not he, Don't just put it straight in the abdomen. <laughs> he also uh, didn't do what we see done in movies all the time, and I assume you all do in, in, uh, in the hospital. She didn't check the needle. Right. Right. She, she didn't give it that little squirt. And she, like, did a little, she didn't flick it. She didn't you know, get the bubbles out or anything. She also didn't light it on fire either to you know, decontaminate it. it. You know, but whatever. That's the she's eleven, twelve, or fourteen. She doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> the next morning, he's. Uh, oh wait, let me see. Where's uh All right, Ellie returns, checks out the wound. She has no idea where to inject the message. So she kind of just puts it in the wound's immediate area, then feels his forehead and lies down next to him on the pallet. Her hand on her hand on his chest. Joel turns his face toward her slightly, but he does not wake up. The next morning, he's not doing noticeably better. She injects him again and goes outside just in time to see David, James, and three other men coming their way. She scurries back inside. Joel is sweating, which is a good sign, but still pretty out of it, and puts a knife in his hand. She'll lead the men away from the house, but he'll have to try to kill anyone who gets down to the basement. Uh, do not fall asleep, she screams at him and then leaves. Ellie hops on the horse and shoots at the posse as she rides away. It's not a long, uh, it's not a long, too long before James shoots the steed, which falls. Ellie hits the ground hard. James is about to kill her in direct disobedience to David's orders when David comes up and angrily orders a couple of guys to go door to door looking for Joel. You're so hungry for vengeance, deliver it. Oh, so, I mean, there was a lot of good like quotes and good lines just just from this episode alone. Uh, those men do find Joel and soon wish they hadn't. Um, let's see. A lot of, a lot of person, person in here. No, I don't like that. 
I see. Eventually, he's got two of David's men's bloodies and restrained with duct tape. When the one he's pounding on claims not to know about Ellie, Joel shoves his knife into the guy's quad. Well, it technically was his kneecap. And starts twisting. It's very brutal. He says, you focus right here or I'll pop your effing kneecap off. He threatens, getting all screaming as he presses a guy for details. We glean that Ellie is alive and at Silver Lake, which is at a resort in the day. Joel makes the guy point to it on the map with a knife. He then kills both of them just like that. Again, another one-to-one from the video game. Like, because he, he goes right up to the guy and he goes, oh, I believe him, and then kills him just immediately. Oh, so good. Um, Ellie's being held in a cage-like cell in the steakhouse's kitchen, which is where she sees a human ear on the floor <laughs> underneath the butcher block. David realizes she knows, so he doesn't even try to hide the fact that his group is eating human beings, but he maintains the decision to do so was a last resort. What was I supposed to let my people starve? He sweet talks her, saying that she is a natural leader who has a violent heart much like his, which plays into part two of the video games. Uh, and then there's some exposition that makes me extremely uh, squeaked on behalf of whoever had him as a teacher in the before times. Uh, oh, wait, now he's very poetic about cordyceps, and then he makes this pitch for her to join the cult and lead as his equal. Uh, essentially be his wife. So that's just the cult yeah. wife. It's very creepy. Uh, imagine the life we could build, Hiku, is encouraged by her placing his hands on top of hers. And then she breaks his hand. While he's writhing, she grabs for his keys, but she's unable to get them before he slams her head to the bars, bloodying her nose and calling her a little uh, see you next Tuesday. Uh, let's see what I go tell the others now. He spits, leaving with a vague threat about how he's going to butcher her into tiny little pieces. When he returns with James in tow, uh, they grab her from the cell. She bites David, who pushes her onto the table and holds a butcher knife way too close for comfort. I'm infected, she cries, and now so are you. While the men are discussing whether the bite of her arm is something to worry about or not, she gets control of the blade and puts it directly into James' neck and then runs. Another one-to-one from the video game. Like, one-to-one. Um... All the steakhouse's doors are locked as Ellie learns that she tries to escape. David follows, taunting her that he's got all the keys. He's also got the butcher knife in his hand. Ellie snags a piece of wood from the fire and hurls it at him. When she misses, the curtains nearby catch the f- on fire, and the room starts to go in flame. She creeps around and gets a hold of the steak knife while David spouts incel BS about how good he is and what he could have given her if you just let me. She charges him, stabbing him on the side, but he knocks her down and kicks her before she can reach the butcher knife he dropped. I thought you already knew, he says, crawling on top of her. The fighting is the part I like the most. Um, Let's see. Thank goodness Ellie eventually is able to get her hand on the knife for which she has been reaching blindly and she fits it into David like it's his final Lego piece. Then she gets on top of him and wails on him, slicing over and over and over again. Uh, meanwhile, Joel's arrived at the compound to find both Ellie's backpack and some corpses strung up like holiday hams so he knows what's going on. He happens to be right up outside the smoking steakhouse so Ellie merges her face with a splatter with blood. Um... And this person says, side note, this is different from the game in which Joel finds Ellie still near David's body and pulls her off. Baker has some interesting thoughts on this. His final postmortem. He reaches for her from behind and she loses her stuff, screaming and beating him. It's me. It's me, he says. And though she's definitely not okay, she realizes who he is and frenetically wraps her arms around him. It's okay, baby girl. I got you. He whispers, echoing it's what he said after Sarah was shot in the series premiere. Joel looks destroyed. Ellie is clearly in shock as he takes his coat off and puts it around her. He's barely keeping it together as he supports her with one arm and then limp off together toward the river. Damn, man. What a good episode. Like, this is one of the ones I was really excited about along with the finale because we know what's coming up, what's going to happen, what's going up, what's coming up. And they did such a good job with it. Bella Ramsey is killing it. Like, 
I know we said it last week episode with her left behind, but man, she just continuously leaps and bounds above most of these people and most actors today. She's just a phenomenal actress. And I cannot wait for this, the finale because I just know it's going to be so much better because there's a lot of emotional parts that happen. And but man, this one was really good. It was really good to see Troy Baker. I, I love this episode. I think this one is probably my favorite so far. If I had to go back, which I eventually am going to go back and watch them all again. Um, but this one is probably my favorite so far. Now, do you think we still get the finish as it is in the video game? Yes. Okay. Uh, I think so. I, I'm pretty sure it's what we get because they are... Melly Ramsey has said, and we've talked about before on the show, that it's going to leave fans divided. I know we talked about it last week. And I think that because it, Neil Druckmann did say that it ends at the end of the first game. So, so I'm like, okay. Now, season two, I don't know if we're actually going to get part two because there's rumor we're going to get factions instead. And they're going to make a storyline up of it before we get back to Joel and Ellie, which would make sense because I forget how many years is between the two games, but there's a good leap of time. Um, so let's Bella Ramsey olden up some Pedro Pascal, get a little bit older. So you don't have to use makeup that much either. Um, so the greedy part of me wants part two <laughs> right off the bat, but I don't know if we're going to get that. Um, some numbers here to quote episode eight of the last of us delivered 8.1 million viewers Sunday night alone across HBO uh, max and linear telecast, which is up 74% from the premiere. Obviously a successful show. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but man, it, this was a good one. Chris, what'd you think about it? I loved it. Um, I, you could sense the cult vibes mm-hmm. early. Right off the bat. <laughs> As they went into it, they did a good job of peeling the layers back, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and revealing more and more of exactly how far gone this guy is. Yeah. Till, till you get to the scene where he's on top of Ellie. Um, and that's when you're just like, yeah, okay, this guy's, he's full-blown cult leader. Right. Um, but he, he gets what he deserves. Because uh, she, she pretty much filleted him right there. Yeah, as, you know, as he should have been. But the rest of the folks can just waltz right in and throw him in the pot and cook him. Well, well he's already being cooked, you know, with the, the fire going on. So all they do is just drag him out and, you know, cut him in some pieces. More pieces. <laughs> Start gnawing away. Right. <laughs> oh, man. So we got the, the finale tonight. I am obviously very, very, very stoked for it. Uh, I hate that we're not going to be talking about it after next week, but that leads me into our next little bit. We're not going to do any news for it so we can get to the Oscars here in a little bit. Uh, so we'll have, we'll build some things up and talk about it in a couple of weeks, but we're going to have a huge week of recaps and everything. Of course, Tuesday, they're calling it super Tuesday for us on CW. Uh, releases this week, Tuesday, March 14th, third season of Superman on Lois. And then right after that, on the same date of March 14th, is the first season of Gotham Knights, all on the CW. Um, I'm very excited for Superman on Lois. Of course, you can see our trailer reactions right now on Nerdwide's YouTube under the uh, Nerdwide Reacts, uh, which you should check out. But I'm, I'm very cautious on Gotham Knights. Because the trailers that I've seen and the things that I've read, that's what it's based on. 
I'm just very skeptical on it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I wanted to do well. It's not an Arrowverse show oh. or CWverse show. It's it's their own right. We so we spoke briefly. Um, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but we we were messaging back and forth because I got a uh, an email sent to press to their screening room giving me access to what was it the first seven episodes yeah like the first half of the season yeah and it's 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 one of those it's like is that a good thing or is it a bad thing like are they confident in it or is it like oh you know it doesn't get good until this episode so i mean it's it's honestly it's one of those that could go either way there's no middle ground there so it's it's very i don't know Uh, i've got high hopes for it i'll be watching it I'll be watching it live because I'll be asleep, but I'll be watching it. We've got two episodes of The Bachelor this week as well. So, listen, as far as TV is concerned, I've got a lot going on, okay? Uh, yeah. Wednesday, March 15th, Ted Lasso's final and next season of Season 3 on Apple TV. Thursday, March 16th, The Shadow and Bones Season 2 for all you ones that watched it and read the book. Other than that, that is all we've got for TV so far. Cool. On to film. Um, so have you watched anything else? Uh, I'm trying to think. No, I don't think I watched any movies this week coming up. I will because I'm going to watch Shazam just to re-familiarize myself because I watched it in two years, two or three years. Yeah. So what about you, Chris? I did. Um, I watched my copy of X, the man with the X-ray eyes. It's Mm. 1963 sci-fi with Ray Milan, a scientist who develops eye drops that when taken allow the person to see through things um Mm. the monkey he was testing it on dies so he decides he'll do it to himself because that makes sense yeah eventually (laughs) eventually he gets to the point that he can't he starts to go insane because he can't rest oh he tries it's full time so right if he tries to close his eyes to sleep, he can see through his eyelids. Oh, that's horrible. And even if he were to be in a darkened room, he can see through the walls and see the light outside. But what if he wrapped it in, um, what's the Smallville one for Superman? Steel? Uh, Is this steel? Lead. Lead. What if he had like a lead eyepiece? Maybe. No, they, they didn't do didn't, that. didn't cover that in there? <laughs> Thank no, you too far ahead. Good. It's all right. I gave it three stars. Uh, I'd watch it again, maybe one more time, and then I'd be good with having seen it. <laughs> one more time. Uh, it does have Don Rickles in it, uh, along with Ray Milan. So, hmm. also watched from '73, Hammer film, The Satanic Rites of Dracula, starring Christopher Lee and huh. Peter Cushing. Um, good movie. I gave it three stars as well out of five these are all out of five i'd use the letterboxed system like we do on the show but um definitely check that out especially if you like some of the other hammer stuff um christopher lee's a very good dracula good dracula Um, i've got the new one coming out with um nicholas cage being dracula nicholas cage is great Mm -hmm. did you see his quote about the mcu Uh i see what Uh you did there He said, because someone asked him if he ever wanted to be in the MCU, he said, I'm Nick Cage. I don't want to be in the MCU because I'm Nick Cage. I'm like, okay. <laughs> the 
Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, so this week's film that we watched was Babylon, which is essentially about the early days of Hollywood from the silent era. They cover the transition into talkies and uh, and kind of what that does. So going to go through the plot synopsis that's here on um, Wikipedia. It seemed to just get more detail on there than IMDb. Uh, and then it should be the other way around. That's kind of weird. You know how that yeah. works, but yeah. Then we'll we'll go back and forth about some interesting stuff uh, concerning the movie. So, in 1926, Los Angeles Mexican immigrant Manuel Manny Torres, um, who is played by Diego Calva, uh, helps transport an elephant to a debauched drug-fueled bacchanal at a Kines- at a Kinescope Studios executive's mansion. Uh, he quickly becomes smitten with Nellie Leroy, played by Margot Robbie, um, a brash, ambitious, self-declared star from New Jersey. As they snort cocaine, Manny reveals his wish to be part of something bigger. While the elephant walks through distracting partygoers, Manny helps carry away young actress Jane Thornton, who overdosed on drugs during a okay, Euro Lagnic. <laughs> Sounds good Act- to me. <laughs> with sizable actor Orville Pickwick. Uh, basically, she was peeing on him. Yes. Oh, that. So to start the movie right off with that, I was like, uh, I don't know what we're getting ourselves into here, Chris. <laughs> well, and and we'll, we'll we'll stop briefly here to talk about the fact that uh, there are, and I think it's going to briefly touch on it here in this synopsis. If you look at the background. Numerous people that are fully naked. Mm-hmm. There's people simulating sex in the background. Right. But that's what these parties were back then. And that may still be what they are. Who knows? I mean, they just don't take film, camera crews in there anymore. Right. Well, <laughs> but yeah, back then it was just hog wild, basically. Um, also attending the party are Chinese American lesbian cabaret singer Lady Fei Zhu and African American jazz trumpeteer Sydney. Palmer. Lady Feiju is played by Lee Jun Lee and Sidney Palmer by Jovan Adepo. Or, yeah, Jovan. Um, the flamboyantly dancing Nelly is spotted and swiftly recruited to replace Jane in a kinescope film. During filming, she crudely upstages the star. Manny meets and befriends Jack Conrad, played by Brad Pitt. Some people may have heard of him. Yeah, just a small-time actor. Yeah. A benevolent but troubled, oft-married film star and drives home the drunken Jack, who helps Manny secure assistant jobs at Kinescope, like finding Otto von Strasberger a new camera to film Jack in an outdoors love scene before nightfall. Manny climbs the studio system's ranks. Nellie quickly becomes an it girl covered by gossip columnist Eleanor St. John, who's played by Gene Smart, who also follows Jack's career. As sound film displaces silence in the late 1920s, Manny skillfully adapts to technical changes, eventually attaining directorial jobs. Nellie struggles to navigate sound film's demands and increases her drug use and reckless gambling, tarnishing her reputation despite Manny's assistance. Nellie, shown to have an institutionalized mother, eggs on her drunken father and inept business manager, Robert, played by Eric Roberts, to publicly fight a rattlesnake during a party. He passes out. (laughs) Nelly fights the snake, which bites her neck. Faye kills it and sucks out the venom. Nelly passionately kisses her. By 1932, Jack begins to sense his popularity has waned, but still works in low-budget MGM films. 
Meanwhile, Sidney has secured his own musical film and orchestra. As Hollywood becomes less libertine, executives tell Manny to fire Faye, a kinescope title writer, because of her perceived lesbian affair with Nellie. While practicing lines with new wife Estelle, Jack is devastated to learn his longtime friend and producer George Munn has committed suicide. Eleanor and Manny attempt to revamp Nellie's image and ingratiate her into Hollywood's high society, but at a party with William Randolph Hearst and Marion Davies, Nellie lashes out against upper-class snobbery, vomiting on Hearst. That was probably the grossest scene in the whole film. I don't like know. The one right, right in his mouth and all over his face. I was like, uh. <laughs> the first one at the beginning where the elephant takes a dump was. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, right into everybody that was trying to push the car. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 <laughs> Jack finds Eleanor's cover story about his declining popularity and confronts her. She explains that although his star has faded, he will be immortalized on film. Sydney's offended when studio executives convince Manny to request he don blackface for Southern audiences. Mm. On completion, Sydney leaves Kinescope. Meanwhile, eccentric gangster James McKay, who was played by Toby McGuire, threatens Nellie's life over her massive gambling debts. Manny initially rejects her pleas for help, but later secures funds from onset drug pusher, aspiring actor The Count, and visits James with him to pay off Nellie's debt. Manny panics upon learning the money's fake, made by his own prop maker. James invites them into a subterranean gathering space for animal-abusing, debauched parties, raving about potential film ideas. When James realizes the cash is fake, he attempts to kill them, but they narrowly escape, killing James's henchman, Wilson. Jack encounters Faye at a hotel party. She reveals her departure for Europe and Path. Afterwards, is in his hotel room, a despondent Jack fatally shoots himself in the head. Mm. Annie asks Nellie to flee with him to Mexico, marry, and start a new life. She resists, but eventually agrees. However, James's associate tracks Manny down, killing the Count and his roommate, but sparing Manny's life if Manny leaves Los Angeles. Meanwhile, Nellie reneges on her decision and dances away into the night. A montage reveals newspaper clippings detailing Nellie being found dead in the hotel room at 34 and Eleanor's death at age 76. In 1952, Manny returns to California with with his wife Sylvia and young daughter having fled to New York City and established a radio shop. He shows them the Kinescope Studios entrance but visits a nearby cinema alone to see Singing in the Rain. The film's depiction of the industry's transition from silence to talkies moves him to tears. A century-spanning series of vignettes from numerous films follows as the focus returns to Singing in the Rain, Manny Smiles. End of film. That was such a, a great moment. Right there at the end of the the century of the century of uh, cinematography, like mm-hmm. it, it starts back you know from the very basic of what it was, and then all the way up until the last one was Avatar, um, or just Avatar, which yeah. I was really expecting like you know an Avengers or something, but you know event, uh, Avatar is a great film. Like if you would have showed someone back from that era an Avatar movie, a lot of them are like, no, no, no. Where did you find these people? And where on this planet are, is this at? Because right. CGI was not even thought of back then. Right. Um, and I, I really enjoyed this. I know what we talked about beforehand. I was not expecting to like this movie as much as I did. I gave it four stars. And, but, but like once that, like right after the party, when they all went to their first film, they were all in the same, like, uh, uh, California set together. Mm-hmm. That's when that movie took off. Like, and it just it kept running, 
And there yeah. were so many very, very, very good moments. Um, like Jack getting hit with a car, like the Wikipedia didn't mention that during the the rattlesnake right. fight. Like there's a lot of stuff happens right there. And like it was, I was like, this is nuts. And I loved it. But man, it was very touching. I felt like the, the Tobey Maguire stuff was a little weird, yeah. uh, even for this film. But other than that, like it was a very solid film. I hate that Nell, um, you know, died young. But obviously she had issues. We, yeah. we found that very early on. Um, but man, it was, it was great. And I don't know why this was not put up for film, uh, for the Oscars for best film. Yeah. I gave it four and a half stars. Um, it was just, it was fun. Cause I've always liked reading up on old Hollywood. So I recognize some stuff in there. Um, for instance, well, there's some trivia here that mentions you know, when Jack arrives at the party at the beginning, he's speaking Italian. His wife um, says he's from Shawnee. Uh, he's actually, Brad Pitt's actually from Shawnee, Oklahoma. Oh, that's so funny. So they worked that in there. Uh, but the wife in that scene was played by Olivia Wilde. Hmm. Um, so. so he had like, that, what, three or four different wives throughout this whole uh Yeah, I think film. four, and, and he was already on two or three when yeah. the film started. So The... Um, uh the scene where he gets shot by the German lady and like, you don't really, cause you hear the gunshot and then a lot of these things you have to find out by reading real quickly and looking at pictures from the little newspaper clippings. Cause if yeah. you didn't catch any of it, you like the last part, I had to go back and see about the, uh, the gossip column lady that her death, because like it was Nell's death in that bottom left-hand corner and then hers like up on the right side or something like that. Like it just went very quickly. Um, but but, but that was that was rough <laughs> this this film was it was fun though I like I I was not expecting to like it as much as I did like I said earlier the whole Sid uh, doing the the blackface thing I hated it so much for him and yeah. like the, his emotion like why, as he's playing a trumpet and his acting and showing all that it was just so damn good um, and then of course he, you see him put his keys on the bumper of his car that the studio bought him and then turning in his past, it goes, no, I'm not coming back. So, Yeah, the um, the thing about it, and they kind of glossed over it, but the, at the time there was something in the, the South. I can't remember exactly the way that it went, but I think it was either, it had to either be a cast of um, black actors, or a cast of white actors. Now, if you had a cast of white actors, you know, the quote-unquote help mm -hmm. could be black. But it, it determined where it could play. I think that's how it went. Right. Because of segregation. So that's why they were saying if the light was kind of on black and white film was washing him out. And it was making him look white compared to the people that were in the darker background where it mm -hmm. wasn't as well lit. And they're like, we can't release this at all if it comes out on film that way. Right. Which I was like, why not just back the light down a little bit? But yeah. Oh, so, I mean, speaking of that, like there was a lot of death, a lot of death in this film. A lot of uh, death, yeah. The poor guy in the the camera room, I'm pretty sure it was a camera room, that died from heat exhaustion. Oh, yeah. Like They're like, oh, yeah, we finally got the scene. Everyone gets real frustrated. They goes, oh, oh we got it. 
and they I think his name was Bill or Will or something like that. And they crank open the door. He just falls. They're like, oh no, he's dead. I was like, well, damn, guys. <laughs> well, and you know, it brings up a question that they didn't ask in the movie. A lot of those cameras back then were hand cranked. Mm-hmm. So if he was dead, did they really did they actually get the, get the scene? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> but uh, the Jack Conrad character, they think was well, they they know it was based on John Gilbert. Mm. Um, he was a big uh, MGM star in the silent era, and he had a decent voice to transition to talkies. But he had let's see if this if this says um, he had a. He had a conflict with one of the studio bosses, um, and I can't remember what it was for, but he um, they decided they weren't going to let him succeed in talking pictures, but he had an ironclad contract. So mm. what they did is they, they changed the pitch of his voice in his films, and it killed his career. Oh. He drank himself to death by the time he was 38 years old. So It's rough. Um, uh, Nellie Leroy was almost cast instead of Margot Robbie as uh, as Emma Stone. She was almost in this instead of Margot Robbie. Hmm. The character is based on Clara Bow, who was the first It girl in Hollywood. Um, and there's that scene at the party where they, uh, the one that ends up with them fighting the rattlesnake, mm-hmm. right? And she's got the USC football team with her when yeah. she shows up Clara Bow a rumor ran rampant through Hollywood for years that she had basically been with every member of the football team oh so they put that in the film so that that was kind of like a little oh not that interestingly one of the members of the football team at the time um before he changed his name was John Wayne shut the front door so there was this real big guy. He has this heart mm-hmm. drawn on his uh, drawn on his torso with, I guess it was lipstick, and he was he kind of stood out as the biggest of the bunch. And I wondered if that was John Wayne, if they they cast kind of, hmm. yeah. These movies they're so cheeky. So I, uh, I love that. There's some pretty cool stuff like that. But apparently Pitt got the script for this while he and Leonardo DiCaprio were filming um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which we didn't yeah. even watch. I have not seen that one yet. And I've heard nothing but great things about it. Right. Right. So there's there's a lot of stuff like that that, you know, um, the gossip, there were a few gossip columnists at that time. Um, but yeah, there's all these little bitty things with uh, with Hollywood. And hmm. It's A lot of it's alluded to there. But yeah, definitely a good film. Four and a half. You gave it four. four. Um, I'd say it's a must-watch, yeah. especially if you especially if you like film. Don't don't, don't watch, watch your own children. <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> That's not a no. not one to watch with kids. <laughs> no. Oh man. Some teenagers maybe, depending on how well they handle stuff right. like that. But, um, next week we'll review Shazam: Fury of the Gods. So excited. Um, we'll we'll actually be reviewing that the day we watch it. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably both be really high on it, or or really low. Yeah, really high or really low. In cinemas, sixty-five comes out March seventeenth, and then of course that same day, Shazam: Fury of the Gods comes out. So. 
exciting times ahead. Don't really have anything much to talk about gaming-wise. I haven't played anything crazy this week. Just more Destiny. Uh, I haven't had a lot of free time right. this week. But uh, Releases coming out. Valheim for Xbox Series on March 14th. Bayonetta Origin, Origins. Syriza and the Lost Demon on Switch March 17th. And then WWE 2K23 for everything but the Switch on March 17th. But ladies and gentlemen, we've got an Oscars to watch. This is my very first one, so I'm very excited to see how this goes. We are going to be tweeting and Facebooking whatever they call that on Facebook. I really don't know what the, the term is for just, just posting. Okay. You're right. <laughs> so make sure you're tuned into that again. Make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. We are doing some new things over there. Like our nerd wide reacts for the Superman and Lois season three trailer. Uh, we are going to be doing more things like that uh, in the future. So let us know what you think and what we should react to on there. Uh, but thank you all so much for listening and or watching. We hope you enjoy this little smaller episode of the Nerd White Podcast and our review of Babylon and The Last of Us Episode 8. Of course, next week is the finale of The Last of Us, so make sure you're paying attention because it's going to get nuts. Of course, you got Superman Lois, you got the Knights, and Shazam Fury of the Gods. It's going to be a big episode next week. And it's going to be a lot of fun, so make sure you pay attention and you're subscribed to our podcasting service of your choice or whichever YouTube or on YouTube, rather. Um... Uh, social media, you can follow the NerdWide account on Twitter at nerd underscore wide. You can follow me personally at Ty underscore Haynes. And you can follow Chris at MathTN7. Facebook.com, just search in NerdWide, NerdWide Podcast, NerdWide.com. We're always the first thing that pops up there. So make sure you're following us on either one of those socials. Um, those are the fastest way to get to our episodes. If you're not following there, of course, that's where we do our breaking news as far as uh, what's going on with the podcast as well. But ladies and gentlemen, that has been this week's episode of the Nerdwide Podcast. We cannot wait to talk to you next week about a whole slew of things. So make sure you're subscribed. We will talk to you then, and let's go watch some Oscars, Chris. Okay, I'm in. Let's do this. Later, guys. <laughs>